will end it after the shovel, or will it? Miami running around, circling, oh look out! Gronkowski didn't have the angle! Touchdown! Oh, how can you drink? A miracle! Hello and welcome to the Dolphin UK podcast. I'm sure you're delighted to hear these dulcet brummy tones back on your airwaves this week as I've returned after a couple of weeks off. And thanks to the guys for continuing in my stead while I've been busy and doing other bits and pieces, but joined obviously as always by Sion Lee. How are we doing guys? You all right? Lee, all right? Everything your end? Yep, very happy. Hey, there's no such thing as a bad week coming off the back of a Sunday Dolphins win. That's it, and a comprehensive defensive performance, which we'll come to. But Si, everything all right your side, mate? Yeah, all good. Thanks, Andy. Yeah, just to say, um, welcome back. And um, you were very close to being waved, I have to say, but um, you're <laughs> glad you made it back on the roster. <laughs> it wasn't we fielded quite... trade offers. And there we go, man. I could have made that switch to the Bucks quite easy there. But, uh, <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I wasn't on the COVID list, so that's the uh, that's the main thing. Okay. <laughs> um, well, like you say, Lee, um, massive win at the weekend. Um, can't complain at all with, with that performance on defence, but I'm sure there's plenty to pull apart um, on, on offence. And, and we'll come to that in a second. But like just a, a brief recap the, from the weekend. That, that's the third uh, win in a row. First time that's happened since 2018. Um, that sends us to nine and seven uh, across the last 16 games, which is uh, like pushing on playoff form, I guess. Um special team offensive and defensive touchdowns so got the hat trick of those this week uh, and, and of course most importantly uh, a win for the new franchise quarterback which isn't uh, a bad thing at all um on that note lee do you, do you want to kick us off mate on, on tour what you thought went well and anything for development yeah i thought it was, it's it's super interesting um i thought we had a good game uh, i know you know there'd be a lot of people, especially fans of other teams. And, you know, if you didn't have a chance to watch the game um, in its entirety, or, you, you know, you kind of really just see the box score, it looks like a very bad performance, you know, from the offense in general, you know, I'm, I'm not pointing at two or, or anyone, but just in general, the, you know, the box score isn't a fun read. Um, I do have two stats here just for, for reference, I mean, he was 12 of 22, which is 54.5% for 93 yards. Um, one touchdown is averaging 4.2 yards a play with a longest of 15 and a quarterback rating of 80.3. So, you know, again, not setting the world alight, but as far as first, first, what's the word I'm looking for? Debut, as far as debut performances go, um, I think everything went pretty well. I mean, the only the only part of the team, and you know, we're going to touch on on all normal levels of this team throughout the pod. But the only the only part of the team that didn't seem to help him out was the wide receivers. There was plenty of drops. There was plenty of well thrown balls that were dropped. You know, they weren't on tour. They weren't. It wasn't an accuracy issue. It was there was some serious drops. Preston Williams had had a couple again, which were concerning. I think at this stage because it's becoming a little bit more regular than, than we would like it to be, but I think from from the standpoint of strictly looking at, at Tua's game, everything changed early in the game. You know, he obviously the first drive get, getting hit by Aaron Donald early probably uh, probably rattles some of the nerves out of you. To be honest, um, I think. I had a sigh of relief just to see him bounce back up and look okay. You kind of like, all right, that's one hurdle over with. It was, you know, we said last week on the pod, it wasn't a case of if that Aaron Donald's going to get to you, he's going to get to you at some point. I mean, uh, obviously he didn't actually get the, get the full hit. I can't remember who did now. It's Michael Brockers, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was, um, you know, he got the final hit after Aaron Donald had made, really made the play. Um, so I think it was good to get that over with. As far as fumbling goes, I mean, he was trying to go through his progression. He was trying to get to the backside of the field. Um, you know, looking from left to right, he'd, he'd, he'd scanned across the field. Aaron Donald hits him and the ball comes loose. I, it, that, that could have happened to Fitz as, as much as two or, or any other quarterback. I, I don't think. And I think we actually saw that later on. Just look at some of the play from Jared Goff. 
Um, I'd be far more worried about his ball security than two is even after, you know, just, just the one drive. But I think after, after that, the, the Dolphins looked like they called, called the offense early as if they had a rookie quarterback in. You know, it was kind of trying to keep it simple, always a couple of handoffs, just easy to execute offense. Nothing too good. I mean, they, they did take a deep shot fairly early. I mean, that was overthrown. That, that was, I think that was a, a bit of adrenaline, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, again, wouldn't concern me. It, yeah, it was a badly thrown boy. You can see the look on his face. The look on his face when the camera panned to him was like, whoops, that got away from me a bit. <laughs> but um, I think, you know, after c- calling that kind of easy start, when, when the score got out of hand there quickly in the second quarter, I think the game plan changed. And it would have changed whether Tua was in or Fitz was in. And I think you only have to go back and look at, look at our games at Jacksonville and home against the Jets once they got a lead. You know, they played that that sort of football to run the clock down. And I think that's what they did with Tua, which is the perfect situation. I just think that for all the permutations that we spoke about last week, the one that we didn't speak about was being being up so big so early. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's hard to judge. I mean, I think it'd be really harsh to come out of this, this and say Tua's really got to improve on this. I don't think he was asked to do an awful lot. Um I think he did. He did enough. You know, ideally, I mean, it's really like the, the ideal preseason game. You know, he, he got in, got his feet wet. Didn't have to do too much. He didn't have to win the game. I mean, the sadist in me kind of wanted to see see them get it within one, get the Rams get it within one score, just so they they it, it pushed to her to to be, you know, to put a drive together. And I mean, when he had to put a drive together late in the game, um. They went, they went six plays and out, but the, the final pass is a pass to Gaskin, where Gaskin was hit hard by Taylor Rapp, um, and the ball came loose. But the ball was, you know, the ball was thrown perfectly on the numbers. I mean, he was putting, you know, he put together a drive at that point that looked like it was going to be enough to to ice the game. And I think at that stage, I was pretty happy with, okay, this is this is a good enough performance week one, and you know, nothing to worry about. I think it, it helps everybody just to get a win you know we saw how long it took Joe Burrow to get a win you know how long it took Justin Herbert to get a win even when they had played well and two has not necessarily played well or badly but you know they come away with a big win I think that that helps everybody yeah I I thought he looked um, like sharp rolling out to uh, to his left which was which was nice and that moved the chains a couple of times and a couple of uh, easy throws there and that's the kind of college play that we, we saw time and again so that was nice um yeah, I mean, still, still, obviously, loads of room for development. But like anyone was expecting otherwise was like kidding themselves, really, weren't they? And I know you guys kind of pushed on that, Conley. Yeah, I, I, like you say, the, the rollouts to the left, I thought were really interesting because uh, uh, there was no no tape of him in the NFL. He had two passes in the game against the Jets, and one of them was that rollout to the left. <laughs> you know, I think we we're going to see that as a, as pretty much a staple. You know, it looks great. He, he looks great on the run. He throws it with great accuracy there. And the other thing I wanted to touch just quickly is there was um, a ball thrown deep to Mike Gusecki. And I can't remember when it was. It was in the first half. And in commentary, they said it was a, a 50-50 ball. I actually thought that it was a brilliantly thrown ball. I thought the accuracy on it was, was perfect. Um, it, I think if you've been super critical, I think once Gusecki gets two hands on it, he's got to come down a bit. But, I mean, if we're being fair, the defender got got a hand in between Gusecki's hands. It's just a good defensive play on the ball. I actually thought it was a brilliantly thrown pass. Yeah, it was one of the few deep ones he threw all game, actually, wasn't it? And yeah. it, I know it, it didn't help, as you've already said, by a very, very conservative game plan. But interestingly, I looked at the game book and the 10 longest plays from scrimmage throughout the whole game all said to a pass short right or to a pass short left. And... Uh, Short being the the key word there, and that was the ten longest plays from scrimmage throughout the whole game. And interestingly as well, most of the game he spent in the shotgun or the pistol, didn't he? he didn't I don't recall him seeing going under centre once. And I just wonder if that was to to cope with Donald and Co. Yeah, I think definitely with him going under centre, I actually pointed it out to um, my brother when they ran the the wildcat on third and one. I, I said to him. 
you know, if that's Fitzpatrick, you see him under centre and, and handing the ball off or diving forward himself. But in, in the first game out of college, I don't think they wanted to put Tour in that situation. You know, um, I think that's something that that will come down the road. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something for observation that, you know, that he wasn't under centre. And the other thing was, I think the short passes were definitely dictated by the score and what was going on in the game. You know, there's there's a stage of the game there where where they were up 21-7 and then up 28-10 where no matter who you are, if, if you can manage the game without airing the ball out and, and running that risk of interceptions and holding onto the ball to let routes develop, you know, and, you know, kind of tempting Aaron Donald, um, I think you try and avoid that at all costs and just, just, you know, shorten the game and try and play it out. Talking of down the road, I think I mentioned in a, a couple of podcasts ago, actually, that by throwing in Tua now, ultimately prepares them better for a playoff run down the road. If you can imagine, because we all agreed, I think that he was going to play probably sooner rather than later anyway. Uh, but he, just think if, if this had been his first game down the stretch when we were in the middle of a really important playoff run, I don't think they could have afforded to have had that sort of a game from him at that time. But by playing him now, he's shaking off that rust. He's getting used to running the offense and getting that experience. So by the time we do get down the stretch, when we get those harder games, arguably in the final stages of the season, he's more than, he should be more than ready to to carry them through that period of games. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? And, and you've got like, you've got the kind of best defensive player in the NFL out of the way in the first game in my opinion anyway and you're going to get good pass rushes for most teams now or at least above average and they're going to get to the quarterback but you're not going to face just the sheer wrecking ball of Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald every week and once you've if you've got the win against him in the middle of the defensive line then why can't you like build on that confidence and get and get the win you know against any defensive line really so that's a, a massive positive aren't they? Yeah I think it's I mean, obviously, we spoke a lot about Aaron Donald last week. The media spoke a lot about it. They spoke a lot about it in the game. And I'll get on to Jonathan Vilma later because I thought that commentary was absolutely horrible. Um, I think, you know, if you were to be able to sit in a room with Brian Flores and not get the media answer from him, I think he would probably tell us that if you're not ready to face Aaron Donald, you're not ready to go in and face anybody because anyone can have that Aaron Donald-type game once. We've seen it, you know, we've seen it with players on the Dolphins where all of a sudden they play out of their minds. They never play like that again. But, you know, every team's capable of doing it once. And, you know, you're either ready to play or you're not. And I, I think that's why they were happy to put him in. I'm going to mention Donald again in a bit, actually. But um, just before we do uh, move on, something else I wanted to mention was, aside from that turnover on the first play, he was relatively safe and secure. There didn't look to be any other risks that he took. There were no, no, obviously, any more fumbles. There didn't. None of his passes looked as though they were going to be picked off. I think there was that one horrible ball to Parker early on. I think, but that could have just been nerves. But other than that, I thought his ball, his, he protected the ball really well, um, and was and didn't look as though he was rattled at all. Yeah, and the touchdown pass itself was, I know we had a quick back and forward on it, but he, he did incredibly well to fit it in that gap and uh, obviously fantastic catch by Parker. But I think that's, that's what we're going to get, isn't it? It's like it was, a, it was a, almost like a baseball pitch, how, how like fast and accurate it was in there, Lee. I believe, I think it was Travis Wingfield tweeted, that was the smallest window um, of completion this season by any quarterback. You know, and... I got excited at the time. I thought, you know, I thought it was an excellent. So I thought, don't get me wrong, it's an excellent catch as well. You know, Parker's been, you know, being interfered with, and he's kind of catching it over his head as he's going down. It's, it, everything about it is brilliant. But the the ball was on the money. I think that's the difference between between the the quarterbacks we've watched over the last few years and Tua. You know, yes, there's going to be some ups and downs. You know, in these next few games, and I'm sure we'll see at some point a bad throw where we just go wow what have you done you know you really see the rookie in him where he gets confused but it's it's those throws there that you you know they get you drafted fifth overall even with the injury and stuff you know that's that's the stuff that's too good to pass up on 
I knew the touchdown was coming actually. So oh, I was <laughs> obviously we were WhatsApping during the game, and all of a sudden on the chat popped up this big touchdown, and I hadn't actually seen it yet. I thought, what's going on? So that will live long in the memory of Tua's first TD. There you go. I didn't feel really bad because like we were all very excited for it, and then <laughs> and so I was like, kind of like, what, what's going on? <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I don't know why it was game pass was behind. I don't know because I presume you were watching it through Game Pass as well, so I don't understand why there should have been that lag. But lag, but anyway, it doesn't. I matter. think it's because I always have the I have I watch Game Pass on my laptop, and then I've got the red zone in the background on the on Sky, and that's like up to date and current, isn't it? So that always ah, right. is my Game Pass as well. But yeah, um, yeah, and like I mean, any other kinds of thoughts on, on offense from you, Sai, on, on maybe O line or, or how that how that did. Yeah, we mentioned Aaron Donald already, actually, and I just wanted to expand a little bit more on that. In the um, the whole game, they only allowed one sack, I think. Um, I think Donald had four hurries, I believe, uh, in the whole game. And if you'd have said to me before the game, or would we have taken that before the game, four hurries and one sack, we'd have snapped their hands off, literally. So for, from that perspective, it was definitely a win. I know he got the fumble, but like we said earlier, you're not going to stop Aaron Donald all game. But I'd have snapped their hands off with those stats if they'd have been presented before the game. Um, so that was a real positive, actually. I'd consider that a win for the for the O line. Um, also, um, I think there were only two quarterback hits in the whole game. Um, one was that um, Michael Brockers one, which I mentioned earlier, um, which was obviously really, really early in the game. And I think there was only one other quarterback hit. In the whole game, and I don't even remember seeing that, um, so I have no idea when it happened. But again, two only two hits from a, a really good defensive line in the game. You must take that as a win. Um, so from a, a defensive point of view, in terms of hand, handling Aaron Donald, I thought they did really well considering. A um, couple of other um, points I wanted to raise: um, Parker one catch for the touchdown which was obviously, a, as we've already said, a good um, scoring play. But considering Jalen Ramsey wasn't playing at all, and we were going to talk about this in a lot of depth, um, had Jalen Ramsey actually played, and we touched on it as a key matchup in last week's pod. So for Parker only to catch one pass the whole game with Ramsey not in the lineup, I think that was an opportunity missed. I know circumstances dictated and, and the game plan probably changed quite quickly um as you said lee but it was it was somewhat disappointing that they didn't look to take advantage of that matchup not being there um and the other thing i wanted to mention from an offensive point of view when we 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 can't not we'll talk about the defense in a bit more i guess but i didn't like the wildcat plays or the shovel pass that they that they had they were unnecessary i thought um because they weren't needed why reveal them i know that they've done the wildcat before but why take the risk? And and something went. I mean, the shovel pass just fell incomplete, fortunately. And the one of the wildcat plays fooled Aaron Donald once, but then he changed his position in the, on the line and and Perry smacked back in the backfield, and that didn't work either. So I didn't I didn't like those plays at all. I thought they were unnecessary. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it wasn't going to work really, but. I mean, there's not much else to say in terms of an offensive performance because we know it was quite vanilla and quite restricted in terms of the play calling. Uh, 48 plays, whole game. There's 48 plays, really. I was just going to say, uh, uh, Malcolm Perry got what we were all worried to would get all game, didn't he? He got a smack in the chin and uh, he probably won't be fancying himself as an NFL quarterback now. Um, Gwon Lee. It's good that we didn't get hit by a Landon Roberts because, wow, was he delivering uh, delivering yeah. on Sunday? <laughs> Christ. Um, I was just going to touch on the Parker thing. I, I thought it was interesting. I've been watching the game back this afternoon and trying to pick him out, and I don't think he played a lot in the second half. And I wonder if they were trying to protect the, you know, the couple of niggly injuries that he's got. You know, once they realised there was no Ramsey, there was, you know, that scoreline changed so drastically in, in such a short period of time with the offence never even touching the field. Um, in the second quarter, I mean, Tua scored, what was it, the last play or one of the last plays in the first quarter and then that, that to make it 7-7 and the next time he actually got on the field, it was 21-7, you know, <laughs> so I, I, I wonder if they were maybe doing, limiting 
um, Parker, but based on that and you know his his history with injuries, and we know he's had a few niggles this year already. Yeah, definitely. I think you're right there, and, and it was it kind of it was weird to see like um, Perry on field. Obviously, we we kind of picked him up in the off season as a potential gadget, and it was interesting to see him active with tour and stuff there. So see how that develops, but. Yeah, I guess I guess moving on to the, the more the more like excellent and exciting uh, area of the field was there was obviously the defense at the weekend. Um, Dolphins now lead the league in scoring defense, thirteen takeaways on the season, and as, as the, one of the rare positive things that the commentators had to say, it was was like you win games based on on takeaways in the modern NFL, and, and that's something that this defense is like doing very very well. Um, I mean, we we all I think we're all going to cover this in in. Um, in certain detail, but I just thought the pass rush was was fantastic, and it's like the second or third game in a row we've seen it looking really good. Um, got after the quarterback really well, and, and and kind of made players like Andrew Whitworth like look like they were rookies rather than like twenty year veterans or whatever it is. So that was a, a real positive, and Emmanuel Ogba at the right at the heart of that. But but Lee, I'll flip it your way, mate. Mate, any kind of initial thoughts? Any any like massive highlights for you? Yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe this isn't so much the, the defense defensive players but we mentioned it last week that in the media it hadn't been referred to too much about um brian flores's great great game plan in the super bowl but coming off this weekend sean mcveigh must be having nightmares of going up against brian flores because i mean he absolutely showed that team up and i mean they they kept cutting to mcveigh you know and they, they tried to say everything positive under the sun but they kept running the same stuff and having the same outcome and you know they they were thoroughly outcoached brian flores had a terrific game plan you know he made jared goff look like the rookie in the game yeah i completely agree and it was it was interesting because you kind of saw them start in a normal uh, normal way. They, they, they like to push the ball downfield on, on quite mid-level passes and then the in, in routes from Woods and Cup and stuff. And then suddenly it became like almost dink and dunk for them and when they were on the field. So it was like really interesting just to watch it us like like restrict that offense and the, and the kind of no-fly zone in the secondary was, was just fantastic, I thought. Yeah, so this seems like a good time to to explain one of my real gripes with the Fox commentary and especially Jonathan Vilma. There was a pastor that when I can't remember who it was going to, I think it was Woods who was being covered by Byron Jones, and he said, "See, this is why you don't, you know, why Xavier Howard has all the interceptions because they don't throw towards Byron Jones." That just means you've never looked at anything Xavier Howard has done because the, the guy's been a ball magnet for years. You know, it's got. It, Yes, it helps having Byron Jones on the other side, but he's done the same. I mean, I can't remember what the stat was off the top of my head, but he, he leads the league in interceptions over, what is it, the last three seasons, yeah. even though he missed most of last season. You know, so yes, it, it, you know, you don't want to go at Byron Jones, but just equally, you don't want to go at Xavier Howard either because he'll give you a 20-yard reception, but then he'll pick off the next one. That's it, man. Si, any thoughts to your side, mate? Yeah, um, after an absence of a few weeks, Simon stats, he's making a comeback. <laughs> so I've got some real good stats. That fortunately, we get shared the post-game notes by the Dolphins afterwards, and, and they're always full of some gems, actually. I'm just going to re- rattle off a few of them. Um, so one of them was actually on the Fox broadcast. The Dolphins are the first team since Indy in 2004 to lead by 18 points at halftime in three games in a row. Um, that, that's all. That was a really good stat. Uh, you've already mentioned about leading the lead, lead leading the league in scoring defense. Um, they also posted their 18th and 19th sacks of the season, which was tied for eighth at the end of the 1 p.m. games. Four takeaways gave them 13, which was tied for third at the time of writing. Uh, but both teams with more takeaways than the Dolphins had played one more game, and that was the Chiefs and Cleveland. Um, the, they're 33 and a third percent third down defense is tied for second in the NFL. Um, the four turnovers in the first half was the most by the Dolphins since they played Arizona um, in 2016. Um, let me see if I can find a few more. Good omen going uh, into next week. Yeah, the the second longest fumble return for a touchdown in Dolphins history after Jason Taylor's 85 yarder in 2005 against Denver. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Um, there's Emmanuel Ogba had a, uh, a good game, didn't he? Um, 
he's recorded a full sack in each of his past four games and at least half a sack in each of his past six. He's got a streak of four games with a full sack, which is the longest by a player since Cameron Wake in 2016. So you can see you always know when the team have done really, really well and you get a whole load of these stats come through and 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 that just typified the, the defensive performance, I think, didn't it? Yeah, and I mean, I, th- I thought personally, you know, there could have been what maybe another four takeaways. You know, Van Ginkle had the the interception that he, he dropped again in commentary. They said that that he got nervous and dropped it. I actually felt that Whitworth managed to get a hand, not on purpose, but put a hand on the ball as they were both going to the ground, which knocked it free. Um, the Eric Rowe one, which would have been a pick six had he had he caught the ball. I think he was actually looking at the end zone as he was trying to catch the ball. The ball was also behind him. Don't get me wrong, it would have been a good catch. But I think he was getting a bit excited. He, he jumped that route so quickly. He was actually ahead of the ball. But yeah, I felt, you know, that they had a bunch of takeaways and it could have been even more. One of the things I like about the uh, post-game notes is that they give each section a little header. And one of the last ones is actually injuries reported in the press box. And actually, I misread it, first of all, and thought, who got injured in the press box? And was really hoping it was some of the national media types that had, had the Dolphins' performance thrown rammed down their throat. But, but alas, I did, I did meet, misread it. And of course, they were talking about um, players that get um, reported as injured. They, they filter that information through into the press box via a loudspeaker, and that's what they're referring to. But yeah, it did, did make me laugh when I saw injuries reported in the press box as the header. And I think we saw a few of the players. Byron Jones went down, didn't he? Went off with cramp. We saw Nick Needham, I believe he went off with cramp as well. I mean, that it's kind of, you're almost your own worst enemy when you're on the field that long. You know, and they, they were on the field a lot because, you know, they kept taking the ball away. Dolphin, Dolphins' offence wasn't doing an awful lot, so it puts them back on the field again. You know, that weather down there just takes it out of you, even if you're the team training in it all year round. Um, I think towards the end of the game, I think even the the Rams' last scoring drive, they kind of went hurry up. And I think the defence was just gassed. They've been on the field so long and they've been such a dominant performance. Um, I don't think it's something to worry about. But yeah, the, you know, I think when... When we see the drive they gave up, they seemed to give up a lot of quick routes and it was everything was moving very fast. And I think after that drive, they were just happy to get off the field when when the offense managed to put together, let's say, a mini drive to get them out to midfield. Yeah, man, just like all round uh positives, wasn't it really? We just can't can't complain at all. And and it's just like such a transformation in a year. I think that's just that's as you've already mentioned, Lee, just testament to Flores and the and the kind of skill set he's brought to the team and uh, but also it just kind of shows the logic of, of going quite defence heavy in the draft this year getting that sorted out and every week I watch I'm more and more convinced that the top two, three, four picks next year are going to be offence based whether it's offensive line or skill players so that's um, that's exciting to look forward to as well because there's a lot of talent in next year's draft especially at receiver and running back so yeah good, good to see all around there Um Player of the week, guys. I think there's plenty we could pick from, so I'll uh, I'll go with you first. Sai, who do you think was the was your man of the match? You're right, plenty to choose from. Actually, I considered Eric Rowe for his seven tackles, five pass passes defence, one int. Van Ginkel also deserved a mention. Two tackles, one quarterback hit, one pass defence, fumble recovery, and a TD. But actually, my game ball of the of the game um, goes to um, Jackin Grant for his a record-breaking 88-yard pun return, and he also had a 45-yard kickoff return. So as we saw with that record-breaking pun return for a touchdown, you never know when opportunity strikes. Sorry, that <laughs> I had to get this in somewhere. <laughs> so you should always be prepared. With... <laughs> Which means taking a punt on products from manscaped.com. It could be the crop mop, ball wipes, the crop cleanser, body wash, or the new weed whacker, ear and nose trimmer, but these, <laughs> these products will enhance your own performance, raise your ball game, so you too could take it to the house, get 20% off and free, free shipping across the whole range of Manscaped products. 
<laughs> this is funny. With the code UK Dolphins twenty, so use the code UK Dolphins twenty to get twenty percent off all of Manscaped products um, on Manscaped.com. So I just had to get in there. Sorry. No, no, all good, mate. As well as Simon Stats, we've also got have you like salesman cipher. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Uh, Lee, uh, you're a player of the game, mate. I don't think you can follow that advert as well, can you? <laughs> I, I can't follow that with any sort of gusto. Um, to be honest, I, I really wanted to go with Van Ginkle because I thought he did excellent. I thought he played well. Um, he had a couple of tip balls as well as the obviously the, the return. I thought he did well on the edge. But I think I've got to go with Eric Rowe. I mean, the seven tackles were great. He's he, sort of... It, it's hard to say anchoring... But, the defensive backfield, but like we're not seeing any problems with tight ends that we've seen over the years, and I think a lot of that goes down to Eric Rowe's play. Um, as great as Byron Jones and Xavier Howard are on the outside, I think you know, um, Eric Rowe's kind of flying a little bit under the radar there, and yeah, so he, he would get my game ball this week. Um, if, it, if it had the extra pick six, maybe get two game balls, but you know, <laughs> next time. No, I, and I think you you've highlighted t- the two of the guys you both have that I was uh, going to go with. But I'm actually going to uh, go a bit rogue and go with another special teams player in Matt Hack, who I think might be the best punter in the league, to be honest. I think uh, five punts inside the 20, and that, and that was just pivotal, especially like first half and start of the third when we weren't really moving the ball fantastically on offence, but we were just pinning them back time and again and that, that, that just really it was a real game changer field changer and I, I was really impressed with him and as you guys have highlighted the other two I thought I'd give him a shout out on side I mean he certainly overshadowed the Rams punter didn't he Hecker who came into the game on the back of a great performance against the Bears when he seemed to pin every punt down back inside the 10 and um but yeah he, he got totally overshadowed didn't he I thought yeah, it looked really good. And uh, that was another thing on the commentary, wasn't it, Lee? It was uh, like uh, every time Matt um, Hecker punted, they were kind of, oh, star punter, Johnny Heffer, and then uh, and then Jakeem Grant would gash it up the other way. For... I mean, it's, it's a real gripe of mine. It's been, it's, I've been the same over the years. And I, I mean, I might be the only one who sees it this way. I find Fox, the Fox commentary to be very NFC biased. It doesn't matter because, I mean, whenever we're on Fox, we're playing an NFC team. It's always heavily favoured to the NFC side. And I know, I, I don't remember the exact details. I know Fox show more NFC games than AFC games and it's a whole thing. But it always seems to be very skewed towards the NFC teams. And I just want, I just, I just like, would like even commentary. I don't need to explain what's going on in the game. You know, tell us the relevant information. You know, I think I it's probably because they know more about the NFC teams, don't they? So they see them week in, week out, and they're more familiar with those than the way they play and the, the personnel. And I think that probably it may be a reason why. So I think we should put it out there to Fox right now that um, next time Miami are featured on Fox, feel free to get one of us guys on and we will we will keep up <laughs> the information on the Dolphins so stuff is relevant and actually useful. <laughs> That's the one. Man. Yeah, and it must be part of it just because of the kind of Patriots domination of the division for so long isn't it everyone else is just kind of seen as a as a part of the buy sort of thing so not anymore yeah apologies um just before we move on apologies to the listeners for losing it in the manscaped um <laughs> promotion and um, for those that don't know we actually do this by zoom and um, where we can see each other as well <laughs> so it's very hard to keep a straight face when you've got andy and lee laughing back at what you're reading out so apologies for losing that but hopefully that's part of the fun just the commitment, mate. The commitment to, to the cause is always uh, fantastic from you with Manscaped. So that's what we like to see. <laughs> um, moving on, then. Uh, got another big game this weekend. Um, another um, team with a strong winning record in the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, five and two so far. A wins against the Seahawks, which is no mean feat. Uh, and then the uh, more easy games they've won against start the likes of the Cowboys, where they kind of crushed them on uh, in prime time a couple of weeks ago. Um, uh, yeah, so Kyle has overseen a bit of a transformation in the Cards offense uh, so far this season. Um, 1,800 yards passing, 440 rushing already. Um, one thing which which is uh, playing to the Dolphins' strength here is uh, although he's thrown 13 touchdowns already, he's also thrown seven picks and that's kind of uh, highlighting to me a bit of looseness with the ball there and, and that's something that, that this defense will certainly punish. Um but that doesn't take away from the fact they've got 
arguably the best receiver in the league in DeAndre Hopkins, who's already at 704 yards this year, averaging 12.5 yards a catch. And we just know what a contested catch uh, pro he is. And that'd be really uh, interesting to, to, to see the kind of matchup with Byron Jones or, or X or whoever gets put on him at the weekend. Um, and just on the flip side of the ball, Fantastic defence as well so far, um, not too far ranked behind our own um, and really led by Buda Baker, who's been everywhere really in the backfield, uh, looking good in the secondary as well. So plenty of things to, to, to think about guys ahead of this one. Um, Lee, why don't I come to you for you first, mate? What do you reckon the kind of key matchup is for this week? I think for me, the key matchup is I'm going to take our linebacking core against Kyler Murray. Um, and I think if you can restrict him to being a passer, um, like you say, he's been a bit loose with the ball. It, it, he puts up opportunities for the defensive backs to get hands hands on footballs. And I think that, that really plays to our strength. The, the one thing we can't do is let him start running all over the field because we've seen a couple of times this year that it's absolutely killed us. And I kind of put that on the linebackers to be keeping an eye on that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I know Cam Newton's had quite the fall from grace from week one and, you know, but week one, he ran all over us. And then, you know, the Josh Allen also had some success running the ball, but, you know, just being that bit more mobile than, than the quarterbacks that we've actually beaten. Um, I mean, the other thing is, Kyler Murray's got the second highest passer rating of any quarterback that we've faced so far. So I think it's a real test. You know, the other, the, the highest quarterback rated, the highest rated quarterback we've faced so far is Josh Allen. You know, we know how that panned out. They kind of got out to a bit of a lead on us. So any, any yeah. matchups you want to highlight? Well, I was just going to expand a little bit on the Kyler Murray one before I go on to my choice. I think, and this is something that we talked about when we previewed the Bills game, is to, we wondered whether they'd put a spy on Josh Allen. And I wonder if they're considering the same for Kyler Murray, because th what that means is if you put a spy on him and also rush the hell out of him as well, but to, don't do it so that he gets an option to run all over the field, as you already said, Lee, you can't afford to do that. But if you rush... Um, heavy on one side and force him to roll away from the blitz, you're effectively forcing him in the direction that you want him to go, where the spy that um, could effectively cover and know he's going to cover that part of the field um, and therefore have a better chance of containing him because you're forcing him in the direction that you want him to go rather than simply letting him run all over the field. The other way to do it, I think, maybe would be to blitz from both sides, try and keep him contained in that pocket so that he can't scramble. And we know, and you touched on it, Lee, that he's, or oh, sorry, Andy, I think it was you actually mentioned about his, his interceptions. He's more likely and more prone to throw a pick if he's contained and you can get that pocket to collapse and, and force the bad throw. And I think, you know, off the back of what you said there about, the, you know, the two ways to stop him, making him a pocket passer would be a great way to go. But I think this is where it really comes into effect. This is why you're paying two cornerbacks, the high, you know, two of the highest paid corner, you have two of the highest paid cornerbacks in the league on your roster. And so you can say, I'm putting you two guys on an island because I can't afford to send help because I need help up front. You know, where we, you know, where you can, you take that guy that you might use to double Hopkins and make him the spy. You know, it just allows you to, to free up somebody else. And that, I think that's why you have those, those guys on the roster. Obviously, the first time when we faced Josh Allen, we didn't have um, Byron Jones because he went down, I believe it's the first or second play of the game on defense. So this will be the first time that we face a sort of mobile quarterback with both our star corners. Obviously, that day, Noah Igbenogane came in and got absolutely torched that wasn't the game plan. So I think it'd be very interesting this time around to see Brian Flores have a, a week to game plan for a mobile quarterback and his star players on, on the field, because we know that he loves a defensive back. Yeah, sure. So go on, sorry, I flipped away from you there, but um, yeah, key matchup, mate, what do you reckon? Yeah, I think the first and obvious one I'd got down was to try and take away Dandre Hopkins. Um, I mean, it's easier said than done because, of he's such he's one of he's one of the best if not the best receiver in the NFL at the moment. Um, so to try and take him away, he's got to be that first key target. Um, and if you're going to play zone defense against that Cardinals offense, then 
what I think they could do is probably try and jam him at the line of scrimmage. And what that would do is possibly give them time to tilt the zone over to that side of the field if you can jam him initially and hold up his progress. If you're going to play man, I think you almost ought, certainly have to have a safety to go over the top to be more aggressive in playing that man coverage. So depending on which way they want to go there would determine how they play DeAndre Hopkins, but he's the key player. You take him away and then you can focus on um, then trying to implement your game plan to stop Kyler Murray, as we said earlier. Yeah, but yeah, DeAndre Hopkins is the key matchup. From interestingly, we're both talking about it from an, a Cardinals offensive point of view, aren't we? We haven't, we haven't yet talked about well, what what is the key matchup from a Dolphins offensive point of view, and I think that just speaks volumes for how difficult this game is going to be. Go on, Lee. You were gonna. Yeah, I mean, I, I was just going to say maybe you know we should also take a, a second to revel in the fact that Bill O'Brien traded DeAndre Hopkins a guy that you know we're all nodding here is is easily easily in the discussion for best receiver in the NFL i mean in my opinion he is but you know he's certainly in that conversation i don't think anyone would deny that um and that's helping us with our other draft pick right now so i think we should all just be thankful of that even if we're going to have to face him this week i just can't i still can't go with it and and it's definitely just like it's such a, such a bizarre decision because obviously there's so the like, seeds of his own demise here and, and if it's the kind of obviously we're recording this on, on Tuesday before the trade deadline and if the kind of expected move of Will Fuller to go to the Packers goes down then you just have to blow up a roster where you've just got one of the star quarterbacks in the league there but uh, yeah on, on Hopkins that the catch radius is unreal isn't it and, and that's what's going to be a real test and I'm actually looking forward to seeing uh, what Byron Jones can do when, when they do go one-on-one at the the side and just to just to touch on what Simon was saying about you know us, us focusing on the Arizona Cardinals offense and you know how how we're going to have to play that defensively I think if we look back at the Rams game it's so difficult to know what we're going to get from the Dolphins offense you know this is going to be I, I can say this is going to be two as first test. If it goes the same way as last week then he'll be doing the same thing as last week handing the ball off a lot but you know we can only hope but it's hard to predict what they're going to do. You know, kind of everything we said leading into last week's game kind of applies again this week. You know, we're going to be seeing a lot of stuff for the first time. He's going to be doing, he's going to be asked to do a little bit more, we would think. So, yeah, so the offense is super difficult. And I think for the next few weeks, there's nothing wrong with having to lean a little bit on the defense and saying, look, you know, you're one of the best defensive units in the NFL. We're going to lean on you while the rookie gets up to speed. Um, I'm sure we'll come on to our game predictions in a minute, actually. But if the Dolphins got any aspirations of winning this game, I don't think there's any way they can have the same sort of conservative game plan as they did against the Rams from a from a, an offensive point of view, because it's simply not going to be significant enough or good enough. I don't. I, the the cards have got, I, I believe, a better offense than the Rams uh, I know uh, but it, again it depends on how the defense play if they have, like you say if they have the same sort of game um, as they did against the Rams then that's going to dictate the, the flow of the offense but I don't believe that they can be afford to be as conservative they're going to have to uh, let the shackles off a little bit too and, and hopefully we'll get get some rhythm and get some um, downfield passes going yeah I think it, you know it, it's really important to get the rhythm side of things to get the receivers involved because I think the couple of times they sort of asked Tua to put a drive together on on Sunday, which which wasn't much, you know, as we've said plenty of times, which was dictated by the score and the flow of the game. Um, I think that's why you saw so many drops. I think he was starting to, you know, he had the, the makings of some nice drives. I mean, the, the touchdown drive um, where Parker scored, you know, they took over at midfield. You know, so that's a decent little drive that was put together. You saw the makings of, you know, good things. So I think, you know, had, had the game been closer, I think we would have got further in the playbook. I don't think they intended to be that conservative all the way through the game. Just got a trade notification, which will come on in a minute. So it's nothing to be excited about, I don't think. But uh, um, my, go on, Sarah, if you don't mind, I'll just go with my key matchup very quickly, which is um, kind of touching on the 
uh, what we were saying on the offensive side of the, uh, of the ball for us is uh, Hassan Reddick versus the O-line, really. And, and we've seen like Reddick um, <laughs> Lee's face at that trade. <laughs> and we've seen uh, Reddick start the season uh, red hot, actually, in terms of uh, like sacks and, and, and getting in the backfield, five sacks and seven tackles for a loss. And, and he's obviously been fairly anonymous the first couple of seasons he's been in the league. But I know a couple of Cardinals fans and they're absolutely raving about him at the moment. So nothing uh, compared to Donald at Co. But, um, <laughs> uh, but um, I, I think it's really one that the, uh, like, uh, we're going to have to look to protect to his blind side there often comes off the uh, right-hand side of the line. So, yeah, be interesting to, to see how we hold up in the two rookies in Hunt and, and Kinley there. So, but, yeah, it's all about keeping two right for me on, on offence. And uh, we'll, we'll come to our game predictions very very shortly because I can see Lee's absolutely buzzing to talk about the fact that we've <laughs> just made a fantastic trade. But, uh, Sai, go on, hit us with your prediction at first, mate. Just before I quickly do that, I just want to say, um, when we were talking about Tua, that Skip Bayless tweet tonight that reckon the Dolphins are oh, the Dolphins <laughs> going to move on from Toa. I mean, uh, what what can he say about something as ridiculous and as stupid as that? I mean, he's clearly after the intention, and uh, I know I don't know whether you guys listen to the Dolphins Talk podcast, um, but I I do. I really enjoy it. And Michael Eva went on one of his rants um, this week, and he he had a go at the media, and then he kind of had a little think and thought, well, actually, why are we giving them the attention um, and, and taking notice? Let's just forget them and leave them alone and let them get on with it. And he's absolutely right. Why are we even giving them the attention? Because all they're after is clicks. They've got no substance to their um, opinions at all. Um, so, yeah, I just thought I'd mention that because that happened today, just prior to I was recording. Yeah, you're, you're right. And and I saw like, loads of things on Sunday, actually, with like, people saying, oh, uh, I've had it confirmed that part of the reason that the Dolphins are, are uh, starting to today is because they've got picks and want to see what he's got to offer. But it's just like rubbish because like, you can say part of the reason. I bet it's like 1% of the reason to see if he's good enough and 99% of the reason to put in the first round quarterback that we've put the capital on and start to build a, a like a dynasty around him sort of thing. So, yeah, utterly bizarre and, uh, and very like strange narrative that people are trying to build already. Go on, Lee. Have, have a little rant before we get to our video. <laughs> I'm going to try, try not to rant, but don't quote me on that. Um, maybe the reason they wanted to put Tua in this week is because Brian Flores knows that he's going to absolutely school Sean McVay again. Maybe he's just got absolutely no fear of Sean McVay. He's like, I can game plan for this guy. I'm putting a rookie in because I've got nothing. You know, I, I can beat him with defense. And let's be honest, if, if one of us three had played quarterback, we still would have won that game. So, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I, I stick away from a lot of the national media stuff other than to, to get, you know, sort of breaking news. When it comes to actually reading stories, I'll be honest, I stick to the Miami beat writers and uh, the, a lot of the podcasts and stuff where people might have a source, a little source, they're reporting stuff they've seen. I'd rather get a, a, a more un not unbiased because I suppose they're all Dolphins podcasts, so you know they're, they're biased towards the Dolphins. But you know they're not they're not just searching for clicks so bad. You know, so then that, so a lot of that national media stuff is just absolutely terrible. I don't think those Dolphin podcasts are as biased as what we make think what we what we may think they sound like because they're they're intelligent guys and they know their stuff and they tell it how it is and if um, if it means. Um, reporting on a poor game, then they'll do that. So I think um, to say they're biased is a little bit harsh, maybe, but because they know this stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, I just want to acknowledge the fact that they are solely talking about the Dolphins and their Dolphins mm. fans. So there is the, you know, there is the ability to be biased. I'd like to think that, you know, we try to be level-headed and give good information and, and honest interpretations, but, you know, Speaking from my own point of view, if I wasn't slightly biased towards the Dolphins at times, I mean, I'd be, you know, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't, you know. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, so I just acknowledge the fact that there could be some of that in there. For sure. Right. Predictions. Sorry, hit me and we'll go around quickly. Yeah, um, I'm going to go for a Dolphins loss this week, unfortunately. I don't think they're quite there yet at the level of the cards, the way they're playing. I'm going, going to go for a 31-17 win for the Cardinals. 
Well, that's super interesting that you went 31-17 because, Andy, I believe you said 31-17 last week and I said, I'll take the opposite. I'll take it again because we were... It's a field goal away from being correct. Let's have it again. I, I say the Cardinals start off slow coming off a bye week. There you go. I'm going to be a bit of a negative Nancy as well and go 28-24 loss. Um, I think we'll get. Uh, I think we'll get to grips with things in the, in the second half and start moving the ball well. But I think to start with, um, it might be a bit of a cards dominated first half. It's coming coming quick and uh, and Murray kind of being a bit new for like. Styles of quarterback that we've seen this year. I think that you know that there's there's bigger things going on as well. Do you know what I mean? You know, if if we were to come out of this game with a good performance for Tua, you know, a solid performance, where we see more more from him, he's asked to do more stuff. He's able to do more stuff, um, and we come out with a loss. I think we can come out with the with a moral victory because I think it means we're heading in the right direction. I think if we were to come out of this with a loss and a bad performance on offense, I think then it's a little bit more concerning because, you know, they, they have to show that they can play good complementary football, at, you know, at the least. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and that, well, that means 2-1 two, two, two in terms of predictions for defeat there. But, you know, uh, we're, we're very British and very uh, <laughs> blitz spirit, so we'll uh, see ourselves get through that with another win, no doubt, after... After I was very negative last week. Um, right, very quickly at towards the end of the uh, episode, then we'll, while we've been on uh, recording this on Tuesday evening UK time, we've um, had two trades go down involving the Dolphins. The first one, uh, Isaiah Ford to the Pats for 2022 uh, seventh rounder. And we've just seen that the Chiefs are trading uh, DeAndre Washington to the Dolphins for. Uh, a 2021 sixth round pick and we also get the 2021 seventh as well so not a massive thing there but um is that kind of an indictment of what we've seen from Jordan Howard and Matt Breeder so far in support of Miles Gaskin yeah yeah they've been they've been terrible yeah um, <laughs> you know it's just you know, that isn't it really? Yeah, I mean, you, you, it's, it's, it's thoroughly uninspiring. Don't be wrong. I mean, Gaskin didn't have his best game on on Sunday, but you know, it was going against a notably better defense than some of the ones he has faced. I thought he did a good job. I think I've said it plenty of times. I think he just runs with more pep in his step than the others. You know, he looks more into the game. I, I, I it's hard to put your finger on. Um, I think it's interesting that, you know, apparently we chase Le'Veon Bell hard. He goes to the Chiefs so we take the guy that, that probably wouldn't have been on the roster because Le'Veon Bell's going to be there. Um, it, feel, it feels very much like um, we, we managed to get second place there badly. <laughs> um, I don't know. But, yeah, go on, so. Yeah, in terms of Andre Washington, I don't think he's going to displace Miles Gaskin as the um, starter um, just yet, but... I recall when he didn't come from the Raiders initially before he was at the Chiefs. I vaguely recall him um, having some first team reps for a few games when the lead back got injured. I can't remember whether that was Marshall um, Marshall Lynch or somebody else. But and the only reason I remember that is because he was quite a hot pickup in fantasy at the time, and he he did score quite a few points for the time he was in. So. Um, yeah, it's purely depth there, and and Isaiah Ford, he's had his chance. I mean, he's he's been a good professional. He's been in and out of the main roster um, for the course of his career. Um, but I think um, it shows you there's an opportunity now for Antonio Callaway's going to um, coming back from his suspension, plus leaning more towards Malcolm Perry and Lynn Bowden. I think um, Isaiah Ford has become expendable, unfortunately. I mean that's that's just come through that that's that trades for a sixth round pick to yeah. the Chiefs. So we've got a seventh for Ford and sent a sixth for a running back. I don't, I don't know. I just I, I I will confess that I don't know a lot about DeAndre Washington, but I my question would be would he still be on the roster if they didn't have some of the opt outs at the beginning of the year? I, I mean, don't get me wrong, we're only giving up a sixth round pick, but I think it's more an indictment of what we've got on our team rather than how good he is. Um, I'd, I'd like to think that they've made some calls about some higher profile running backs. I mean, I said it here maybe two weeks ago when Simon posed a question, who, you know, who would you go and trade for if you could? I, I would still have phoned 
the Cowboys and, and said, what do you want for Zeke? We, we, I know it's not going to be cheap, but at the same time, you know, they chased Gurley in the offseason. Um, that didn't pan out. They've chased Bell during the season. You know, they, they obviously want about, I think Zeke Gurley needs a change. And also I think the, the Cowboys are on the verge of, I know they're close. They're just as close to winning the division as getting the, the, the second or third pick in the draft. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think you could offer them, look, the chances are you're going to be rebuilding. What's the point of having a really high price running back on your roster? Let me give you something, maybe our second round pick for him or whatever. Do you know what I mean? We still end up with two ones and a two. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I'd say I, I would, that's the call I would have been making. Yeah, that's it. I think Washington just gives us a bit of that power back uh, kind of play, which we've been like, expecting from Jordan Howard and just to, to mix it up a bit there and just grind out those yards where Gaskin sometimes does fail to kind of pick up the short yardage. He's, he's more of a um, elusive back than a power back, isn't he? So that gives us uh, that bit as well. Um, right, that's anything to kind of wrap, wrap us up before we uh, uh, head off for the week? Did you want to do um, season predictions, Andy? Um, yeah, we can do that very quickly. Yeah, that's a good shout. Sorry, I, I forgot about that bit. But yeah, um, obviously at the start of the season, we all uh, gave our predictions. I know mine was uh, seven and nine for this season. Just just quickly run through if there's any change and, and I'll kick off very quickly if I can. And that's to say, yeah, I think there will be a very slight change. I don't think we'll go seven and nine. I actually think we'll go eight and eight now. Um, lots of optimism building. Um, I'm still needing to see a lot more from the offensive side of the ball there'll be there'll be weeks where we get into a shootout and I don't think we've got the kind of firepower at the moment um I know it's only been one week two or so please don't shoot the messenger but I think um against the likes of the Chargers and stuff if they get um you know Justin Herbert's throwing down, deep down field like that then it's going to be uh, a back and forward game I'm not sure we've got the the kind of stuff to keep up at the moment but uh yeah Sai any different from you? Yeah, I had a, initially an eight and eight record, and but after the seven games um, to, that we played today, of those actual seven games, I did predict a four and three record, even though I got a couple of combinations the wrong, wrong way round. So currently they're on track to meet that eight and eight prediction. But having seen the way the team are playing, I think of the remaining games, there are two games where I'd predicted a loss that I think actually we now are in a good spot to win, and that's Denver away and. Vegas away I think both of those games are winnable and if they are then that's going to push us away from that eight and eight and more to a ten and six uh, mark so there is that potential there to to actually get better than, than what I predicted. Lee you, you've got a long way to go to better your uh, early prediction than, <laughs> but sell it to me mate if you are. <laughs> I'm going to sell it to you I have no need to change my prediction because I was right in the first place. <laughs> no, I'm 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 happy with my ten and six prediction. I'm, I also think just quickly, I'd love to get your guys' thought because again, listening to a lot of podcasts um, and obviously seeing a lot of media, people keep banging on about the last month of the season where we play, and not in this order because this is running off the top of my head. We've got the the Raiders, the Chiefs, the Patriots, and the Bills. You know, before the season, that looked like a month of. Of, of terror that looked like a really really tough month but Vegas all of a sudden I think like Sai just said you know looks like uh, let's say a winnable game not you know I don't think you're going to go into it saying they're the clear-cut favourites but I think it, it's certainly winnable the Patriots game is now you know very winnable I mean they, they have looked absolutely atrocious and I don't think the, the, the problems they've got don't necessarily look like they can get better overnight. It seems quite deep-rooted in that team. Um, the Bills, I mean, the, the Bills' last two performances have been pff, average at best. I mean, not being able to put up a touchdown against the Jets is poor. I think between the three of us, we'd probably score a touchdown against the Jets. <laughs> I mean, I actually thought the Jets might might win that game. I actually had a sneaky little bet on them before the game because it just seemed like one of those matchups that Adam Gase would, would do that. And they kept them to a field goal game. And then they come out against the Patriots and Cam Newton fumbles the, fumbles the ball away with 30 seconds to go. That should have been a tied game. But again, should the Bills have been in that close a matchup? You know, should the six and two Bills that, you know, a few weeks ago people were talking about Josh Allen for MVP, that talk has gone out the window. And all of a sudden that game looks much more difficult. And then the Chiefs are still in there. Yes, that's still an incredibly tough game. But all of a sudden, looking like a month that you could easily go one and three, 
I, I mean, I think we could make an argument now that if we went three and one, you wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, 100%. And of course, the, the Patriots will be tanking for Trevor by that point, won't they? <laughs> um, in that case, we might want to let them win. I said I don't get him. Let's <laughs> <laughs> get Justin Fields and it'll be just as bad. So hopefully they win a couple more before then. But not too bad. <laughs> so uh, yeah, all right, guys. I think that's uh, that's, a, that's a good episode today. Lots covered, um, and hopefully we, or maybe we'll see some more trades after we finish recording this. And if so, we'll obviously uh, hit you up on Twitter as well. But uh, yeah, Sai, any last minute plug for the uh, for the wider um, Golf Round UK uh, membership stuff? Yeah, just follow us on Twitter, the usual thing, at DolphanUK underscore pod. Um, give us a review even on iTunes on the Channel 12 network. Let us know what you guys think of the podcast so far because we're nearly halfway through our first season. Uh, is there anything you listeners out there want us to talk about? Any specific topics or or just let us know. Awesome. Thanks for listening, guys, and, and see you next week, hopefully after another win. Mm-hmm.